Hello, and welcome to the Anchor Discipleship Podcast, a ministry of Rock Harbor Church. We want to help guide and grow you in your walk with the Lord by providing an in-depth study of God's Word with this lesson. So please grab your Bibles and let's set a course for spiritual maturity. Here's Pastor Brandon with this week's lesson. Footsteps of the Messiah. Okay, I gave you a kind of a packet. It's it's a pretty thick one. I think there's like 17 pages on there, or 14 pages, on sequence of events of Psalm 83. And uh, we won't read every scripture, but I'll just highlight a few things as we go through this. Because, as we saw last week, in the Gog and Magog invasion, and I stopped midway because I, I, I showed you a, a few things in scripture that point to that something must have happened before this invasion, because... They're coming for the spoils of Israel, right? Okay? So we want to see what this event is that possibly could be for, and I believe it's Psalm 83. Okay, so in a sequence of events, before we get to Psalm 83, here's a couple things that have to be in place before this to go down. Number one, as you can see on top of your page, God gathers the Jews into the land of Israel from the four corners of the earth. This is called Aliyah. It's predicted among the nations to rescue them from the grave-like condition. Obviously... Um, we talked about this last week, uh, but Ezekiel 36 makes the point. Look at in verse 24, for I will take you from among the nations, gather you out of the countries, and bring you into your own land. So it's obviously a worldwide gathering. Ezekiel 37 uh, uh, mentions this, thus says the Lord God, the whole of my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come out from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Then the second point there is that the Jews rebuild ruins and inhabit formerly abandoned cities. And God would take away from the squatters who helped themselves to the land. So since Israel has been out of the land for all these centuries, guess what happened? Squatters. Squatters came on the land and started living. And that land is not given to these squatters. Uh, Ezekiel 36 mentions this. Uh, verse 4, Therefore, O mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to the mountains, the hills, the rivers, the, wild, the valleys, the desolate wastes, and the cities that have been forsaken, which became plunder and mockery to the rest of the nations all around. Verse 5, Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Surely I have spoken in my burning jealousy against the rest of the nations and against all Edom. So now we're looking at, when, we, when you see Edom, you're talking about the Palestinian refugees and the southern Jordanians who gave my land to themselves as a possession. So they basically took over, moved down to the underline. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, I have raised my hand in an oath, and that surely the nations that are around you shall bear their own shame. But you, O mountains of Israel, you shall shoot forth your branches and yield your fruit to my people uh, Israel, for they are about to come. For indeed I am for you, and I will turn to you, and you shall be tilled and sown. I will multiply men upon you in the house of Israel, all of it, and the city shall be inhabited and the ruins rebuilt. So the idea is, you're going to come, there's people going to be squatting on the land that shouldn't be there, but you're going to take over. But obviously, every time Israel got back in the land, they had squatters. What happened in Joshua's day? Squatters. What happened from Babylon? Squatters. What happened from Assyria? Squatters. Every time Israel vacates the land, squatters come in and try to take it over. And so when Israel comes back in, every time there will be, there will be a fight. Every time. And you can look, look at Joshua's exploits. That was trying to kick out squatters off the land. So once Israel come back, came back in 1948, the whole scenario comes back again. They will have fights with people who are squatting on their land. Okay, 
Point number three. They will meet with Arab resistance. Uh, Jeremiah 49, speaking about Edom. This is, these are prophecies in Jeremiah. Again, Edom, Palestinian refugees, southern Jordanians. The whore you inspired has deceived you, and the pride of your heart, you who live in the clefts of the rock, who hold the height of the hill, though you make your nest as high as the eagles, I will bring you down from there, declares the Lord. Then Zephaniah 2.8, speaking about Moab and Amnon. These are Palestinian refugees, central and northern Jordanians. I have heard the reproach of Moab and the insults of the people of Amnon, with which you have reproached my people and made arrogant threats against their borders. Arrogant threats. That's exactly what's happening today. The arrogant threats. We're going to wipe them out and stuff like that. Look at Ezekiel 36, uh, 2, speaking of Edom. Thus says the Lord God, because the enemy has said to you, Aha, the ancient heights have become our possession. Again, that's what they want. They want the possession of Israel. Ezekiel 25, speaking of Edom. These are Palestinian refugees, southern Jordanians. Thus says the Lord God, because of what Edom did against the house of Judah by taking vengeance and has greatly offended by avenging itself on them. So it's talking about these, these squatters taking vengeance on them. Obadiah 1.10, speaking of Esau. Again, Palestinian refugees, southern and northern and central Jordanians. Um, you can talk about, if you want to say, the West Bank, that, you know, that area. For violence against your brother Jacob, shame shall cover you, and you shall be cut off forever. So God's warning them for this. Ezekiel 35, 5-7. Because you, you have an ancient hatred. Yes, that ancient hatred goes way back, as you guys know. And have shed the blood of the children of Israel by the power of the sword at the time of their calamity, when their iniquity came to an end. What's the end? What, what iniquity came to an end? What was the sword of their calamity? The sword of their calamity is their dispersion into the countries. We saw that last week, that that was a sword that was because of the rejection of Messiah. They were dispersed for all these centuries. So when, when their iniquity came to an end is when God said, okay, it's time to come back in the land. Remember, the, the principle, from judgment to judgment. They're coming out of judgment by the sword because of rejecting Messiah but they're coming to judgment for the tribulation so that they will finally receive Messiah. So he, he, Ezekiel talks about this timing. Therefore, as I live, says the Lord God, I will prepare you for blood, and blood shall pursue you. Since you have not hated blood, therefore blood shall pursue you. Thus I will make Mount Seir most desolate and cut off from it the one who leaves and the one who returns. So, this is a major problem for the Palestinian refugees and anybody that's living on the West Bank. Now, you move to Psalm 83, point number four. So, obviously, you can see that the stages. Israel's coming back in the land, the squatters are in the land, and the squatters are committing bloodshed against Israel as they come back in the land. That's exactly the pattern we saw in history. Okay? So, now, what's next? Surrounding Arab nations form a confederacy. Psalm 83. A song, Psalm of Asaph. Do not be silent, O God, do not hold your peace, and do not be still, O God. For behold, your enemies make a tumult, and those who hate you have lifted up their head. They have taken crafty counsel against your people, and consulted together against your sheltered ones. They have said, Come, and let us cut them off from being a nation. That's almost a quote verbatim of what they say now, right? That the name of Israel may be remembered no more. That's almost verbatim. Almost verbatim, guys. Verse 5, for they have consulted together with one consent. So the idea is they have a, one plan. They're all coming together. They form a confederacy against you. 
The tents of Edom and the Ishmaelites. These are the Palestinian refugees and southern Jordanians. Moab, Palestinian refugees and central Jordanians. The Hagarites, the Egyptians. Gabal, northern Lebanese. Amnon, Palestinian refugees and northern Jordanians. Anamalek, Arab south of Israel. Philistia, Palestinian refugees, Hamas and the Gaza Strip. With the inhabitants of Tyre, Hezbollah, southern Lebanon, right? Eight, Assyria, Assyria, the Syrians and the people of northern Iraq, also has joined with them. They have help from the children of Lot, Moab and Amnon above already mentioned, Selah. So there is the players. Notice the players, notice the commonalities, and notice the location to Israel. You notice several things about this confederacy. All bordering states. Now that's different than Gog and Magog. They're non-bordering states in Gog and Magog. In this confederacy, bordering states. Do you notice another commonality? They're Muslim, yes. They're, all these countries and bordering states, Hamas, Fatah, Hezbollah, Lebanon, all these Syria, Muslim. You got that. And there's one more commonality. Arabs. Gog and Magog is a non-Arab invasion, but yet Muslim. This one is an all-Arab invasion, bordering states, commonality with Islam. So this sets it apart from anything else. Okay, these people that has been called out, the Hagarites, Gabal, Amalek, there have been parts of this confederacy in the past, but never all the players at one time. So that's why we look at Psalm 83 and say, this has never happened in all of Israel's history. This is a prophecy that is not true, and so therefore it's yet to happen. The rest of the passage deals with them, uh, the prayer request that Israel has for God to deal with them. Verse 9, deal with them as you with Median, with, as with Median, as with Sisera, as with Jabin at the brook of Kishon. These are referring to Israel's past victories. Who perished at Endor, uh, who became his refuse on the earth. Make their nobles like Oreb and Zeb. Yes, all their princes like Zeba and Zamuma. These are people that were uh, the enemies of Israel that were destroyed who said, let us take for ourselves the pastures of God for a possession. You know it's always a land issue. Let us take the pastures of God for our possession. Right? They always want the land. Oh my God, make them like the whirling dust, like the chafe before the wind. As the fire burns the woods, as the flame sets the mountains on fire, so pursue them with your tempest and frighten them with your storm. Fill their faces with shame that they may seek your name, O Lord. Let them be confounded and dismayed forever. Yes, let them be put to shame and perish that they may know that you, whose name alone is the Lord, are the most high over all the earth. Okay, so a couple of notes there. A uh, couple of advances against Israel, 1948, 1956, 1967, and 1973. To note the Confederacy plots to destroy Israel and to take its land. Again, just to note this again, come and let us cut them off from being a nation. They've already said that. That the name of Israel may be remembered no more, for they have consulted together with one consent. They form a Confederacy, a confederacy against you. Verse 12, who said, let us take for ourselves the pastures of God for possession. So, if you see in that, that, that the sub, the points below that, the consensus among the Arab states is to reject Israel's right to exist. The Arab nations at some point in the future decide to come together to exterminate the Jews and seize the land away from Israel. So here's my question to you as far as the point of application. 
How close do you think we are? I think we're very close. This is the exact words, almost verbatim, what they're saying. This is already what their intentions are. They want to retake the land. This is why um, ISIS is not called ISIS, but ISIL by our president, because the Levant was the area of Israel. And they want that area back to the Arabs before the British mandate. They want it to be controlled by Arabs and not Israel. And so, folks, that's how close you are with Psalm 83. They're saying the exact words. Now, that's that's pretty close. Again, I can't put a date or a time on that, but we're living in that, that period of time, man. That is huge. And right now, like Jordan's fairly friendly with Israel to some extent. So is Egypt to some extent. They're going to form a confederacy and wipe or try to wipe them out. And the, the Arab south of Israel, when you'll see this in the other predictions of what happens to the Arab south of Israel, it appears that Israel takes parts of Saudi Arabia over in the expansion of what they get from this. So, yeah. Um, we don't know how deep they go into, but they get, they get parts of it. No doubt, man. Okay, so good, good so far? Okay. Number six right there in the middle of your page, the war starts between the Arab Confederacy and Israel. Some of this was taken by Dr. Frutenbaum, who did a study of the Arab states in prophecy. And you can get that, but it, it, it's right here. I'm not going to read all the passages. I'm running out of time. But in Ezekiel 47, you can read this on your own. Um, what Israel, what Ezekiel is talking about is, is, is mentioned in that, that bottom passage. The conflict with Lebanon in the Arab War is not discussed except that Israel in the millennium will take over Lebanon in the Messianic Kingdom due to its promised borders coming to fruition. Peace will eventually come through occupying the territory. So, we don't know too much about how they gain the territory of Lebanon, but we do know they have control of Lebanon in the Messianic or Millennial Kingdom. So it's possible that in this Psalm 83 scenario, they take parts of Lebanon. Okay, But then we also see, though, other areas that definitely things start happening. The judgment against Jordan, Edom, Moab, and Amnon. Now, this is interesting. Did you notice there's a lot of prophecies about Jordan? Okay, West Bank, things like that. Okay, the only place on planet Earth that the Antichrist will not control is Jordan. Isn't that interesting? He will not control Jordan. And yet, in Psalm 83 scenario, Jordan's all over the place and Israel throttles them. I mean throttles them. So something happens, obviously, that with Psalm 83, that creates a scenario that Israel takes control of this area, and this becomes a safe haven for Israel in the tribulation, that for some reason, probably God, a God-protected region, reason, he cannot get control of this area. What you notice about Jordan, the three parts of Jordan, Amnon, Moab, and Edom, the three areas, Amnon, um, there's actually people that come to be come to faith in Messiah. Moab, I think there's a few they acquiesce. Amnon, sorry, yeah, that's him. Amnon, Moab, Edom. Edom is totally wiped out. The the third, the southern area of Jordan of the people there are completely wiped out. They're the, they're the only one that's decimated in that Jordanian scenario. The other two, you're right, acquiesce and and actually there's actually believers that come out of it. 
But a lot of Jordanians, though, if you study Jordan, are the kind of like Muslims that are in Turkey. They're not these hardcore militant. They're, it's more of a cultural deal. This is how I was raised, but I don't really practice this. And that actually helps in their conversion a lot of times. And so uh, a lot of Jordans like that. They're, 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 they seem to be very friendly, uh, especially especially in their ties with Israel. Right now, militant Islam wouldn't get along with Israel. So you can see that there's some wavering. And I, and I think right now, even with that guy that's in Egypt, uh, what's his name, uh, Sisi? He's, uh, he understands the role to be at least friendly to Israel um, and that he can't let the Muslim Brotherhood take over Egypt, so he at least understands that. So I think Jordan is very much like that, but for some reason, they turn on Israel, and then Israel goes to war. And Jordan seems to, I think they are Sunni. They're, 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 they're not on that level of ISIS, man. They're, they're, they're seeing that as completely foreign to their version of Islam. And so there seems to be some differences there. Uh, and even the people in Turkey would see the difference, I think. And like I said, it's they're not the version of uh, the Sunni ISIL or ISIS or whatever. It's very possible. You could see the Psalm 83. You could see the invasion of Gog and Magog because um, those are all pre-tribulational events. This is a pre-tribulational event. And uh, boy, howdy. Uh, yeah, the rapture could happen tonight, obviously, but it, if it doesn't, we could see that, Kenny. And, and you definitely know, boy, we're... At, we're there, man. We're there, and we see that go down. Page, what page am I on? Five? Uh, page five, Jeremiah 49. Again, Jeremiah 49 is prophecy still. And in these passages, I want you to note the, the locations in modern terms. And Jeremiah makes a prophecy against Edom. That's Palestinian refugees, southern Jordanians. Thus says the Lord of hosts. Is wisdom no more in Taman? Again, that's central Edom, three miles of Sila, later known as Petra. Okay, has uh, counseled perish from the prudent? Has their wisdom vanished? Flee, turn back, dwell in the depths, O inhabitants of Dedan. Um, interesting. Dedan, the city in the northern part of Arabian Peninsula, southeast of Eden. Remember, I talked about in, in Gog and Magog, Sheba and Dedan. And the young lions of Tarshish watch as this happens. So now they're mentioned in this, the inhabitants of Dedan. And it's interesting that, that's all, that Tom was mentioning that there's parts of Saudi Arabia here. And they're going to get throttled as well by Israel. So it includes them. Um, verse 13, if you move down. For I have sworn by myself, says the Lord. And you can read this on your own. It's a lot to read. But, but I'm running out of time that Basra, which is northern Edom or Petra, shall become a desolation, a reproach, a waste, and a curse, and all of its cities shall be perpetual wastes. This area, folks, will eventually be inhabited by Israel herself in the last three and a half years of the tribulation. So if the Psalm 83 goes down, they wipe out those inhabitants, and then they move, Israel will move in there to hide in that area from the Antichrist. So it makes perfect sense. Um, let's move down. You got Ezekiel 35. Therefore, as I live, says the Lord God, I will prepare for you for blood, and blood shall pursue you. And since you have not uh, hated blood, therefore blood shall pursue you. I think we read that. Thus I will make Mount Seir, which Edom, most desolate and cut off 
from it the one who leaves and the one who returns. The idea is Edom will be completely cut off. And notice on the next page, perpetually desolate. And your cities shall be uninhabited. So southern Jordan gets ripped apart by Israel. Where there's nobody left. i got to move quicker. Um, you have Obadiah. In the middle of that, the house of Jacob shall be a fire, in verse 18, and the house of Joseph a flame, but the house of Esau shall stubble. They shall kindle them and devour them, and no survivor shall remain in the house of Esau. Isn't that interesting? Uh, for the Lord has spoken, the south shall possess the mountains of uh, Esau, which is southern Jordan, and the lowland shall possess Philistia. That includes the Gaza Strip of Palestinian refugees, Hamas, Fatah. And then you move down, it includes the Canaanites as far as Zarephath. That's a small Phoenician town, now Surafend, about a mile away from the coast, almost midway between the uh, Tyre and Sidon, which is today Lebanon. You move down, Ezekiel 25, because of what Edom did against the house of Judah by taking vengeance, as greatly offended by avenging itself on them. So basically, peace here, the two bullet points, peace comes by means of destruction in preparation for perpetual destruction of Edom, and Edom's destroyed by the, by the means of national Israel. So in this whole Psalm 83, how do these, how are these nations destroyed? By God using Israel as a sword against them. So in this invasion, Israel is used militarily by God to wipe them out. Then you got the judgment of Moab, the Palestinian refugees, the central Jordanians. I won't read that. Let's go to the next page, page seven. I've underlined a few things. Come, let us cut her off from being a nation. They've said that. So, um, that's scriptures quoting what they think and say. Um, you go all, it's a lot of passages. I've underlined some key things. You can read that. Let's go to the next page about, this is all about Moab. And the last underline there, it says, for your sons shall have been taken captive and your daughters captive. So Moab is central Jordan. Israel takes prisoners of war from Moab in this attack and there would be a partial destruction of Moab. So there's prisoners of war from this. This could be what incites the international community for, for to come against Israel because they have taken captives, Arab captives. They've put them in prisons, so, so to speak. Um, then you have the Ammonites. Um, the next one, Jeremiah 49, talks about this. And again, Israel. it says in the underlying, Israel shall take possession of his inheritance, says the Lord. Um, go to the next page, page 9. That last... Underneath that last passage, it says, There will be a partial destruction of northern Jordan and become the possession of Israel. And then you have the judgment of Syria. So Syria is going to be judged. Uh, burden against Damascus. You guys all know Isaiah 17. Damascus apparently becomes obliterated. Uh, it ceases from being a city. It's the oldest city in, on the planet. And it ceases from being a city. Something happens to Damascus. So the, the a lot of guys have conjectured that Israel fires a nuke right into Damascus and destroys Damascus. It's, it stops. It, it's no longer it's a city. It's becomes a desolate wasteland. So something happens, and obviously Israel's involved in that process. Then you have the judgments against Kedar and Hazor. Again, this is parts of Saudi Arabia. Jeremiah talks about this. You guys can read that on your own. And then on the next page, this is the judgment of Egypt. You see that underlined in that day, Egypt will be like a woman. And will be afraid and fear because of the waving hand of the Lord of the hosts, which he waves over her. And the land of Judah will be a terror to Egypt. Everyone who makes mention of it will be afraid in himself because the counsel of the Lord of hosts, he, uh, which he, he has determined against it. 
and it goes into some millennial aspects, but Isaiah 19 is your, your prophetic scenario of what happens to Egypt, and there's a lot, actually, that happens to Egypt on page 11. And due to all this, this passage and a couple things from Daniel and a couple things from Ezekiel, all these bullet points talk about what happens to Egypt, and you can kind of read that on your own. But it talks about Egypt's history with Israel once they're back in the land, and uh, talks about the fear of Israel, which is currently where Israel's at right now. That's the period of Isaiah 16 and 17, is Egypt's in the fear of Israel right now. Uh, it talks about an eventual peace between Israel and Egypt. Hebrew language will be spoken in five cities. Israel, Egypt, believe it or not, ex- experiences a national conversion to Messiah. Isn't that amazing? Most people don't realize that. That's what the, the, the prophecies are, are predicting, Egypt's conversion. Eventually, Egypt is greatly oppressed by the Antichrist, by the way. He attacks them. And God will save Egypt from the domination of the oppressors. Uh, Egypt will be one of the nations that will move against the Antichrist in Daniel 11.40. Isn't that interesting? They actually attack Antichrist. Um, and then Joel talks about Egypt suffering a desolation similar to Edom because of the cursing principle of the Abrahamic covenant, which they did to Israel. Israel, uh, sorry, Egypt will mistreat the Jews during the tribulation, but only offer suffer, uh, suffer temporarily desolation of 40 years at the beginning of the millennium. So for 40 years at the outset of the millennium, it, Egypt will be dispersed among the nations. And then after 40 years, Egypt will be brought back to inhabit the Delta area and the Nile region of the millennium. A lot about Egypt. Just a lot about Egypt. Anyway. Point number seven, Israel regains the title, my people. That's in the kingdom. It becomes the client nation again. Verse eight, Israel decisively defeats the Psalm 83 confederacy. And, uh, the next one, nine, the region is reshaped. And these are, this is important. The Arab cities and territories will be completely wiped out. Damascus, Rabat, southern Jordan, Gaza. Israel expands her borders and will again start to resemble the tribal territories of old. Manasseh, Gad, Benjamin, and Reuben. Remember, those tribes were in where? East of Jordan, which today is Jordan. Do you see that? Remember, there's three and a half tribes that said they wouldn't go into the land. And Joshua made the deal with them, remember? All right, you can stay east of Jordan, but you're going to fight with us. If you want to settle east of the Jordan, you can, but you're going to fight with us. So Israel apparently prophetically tries to go back to its original tribal territories, which inhabits Jordan today, because of the expansion of the borders in these wars. So what we should see in this prophetic scenario is Israel, that's why Israel is taken over. That's one of the reasons Israel is protected by God, and that becomes a hideout for them in the, in the Antichrist period. And then you have number 10, Israel dwells securely in the land because of this victory. Hence, that's the term batak. And that's the reason Gog and Magog attack Israel because they, they, they're in the land in batak, militarily secure. And now, if you read this on your own, the expansion of Israel is possibly northern Lebanon, Syria, all of Jordan, and southern parts of Israel, including parts of Egypt and Saudi Arabia. Now I think with that scenario, you see why the leader of God would want to attack Israel for her spoils of war. They also have prisoners of war as well. 
So what would be the spoils of war if I control Saudi Arabia? How would that affect Russia and Iran? You destroy the market. It's all economics. It's all economics. If Israel controls oil, Russia has a problem. Iran has a problem. And they're going to come for the spoils because they're controlling oil-rich territories. And it's going to destroy their economy. So they're not going to put up with that. That's the, the I think, the hook in the jaw that brings her out from Moscow. I'll make, I'll make a final note and we'll take a break. Islamic terrorism, terrorism is destroyed to prepare for this one world religion. And Psalm 83 plays a part in this. If you read a couple of those passages, it talks about these Edomites, these, these Palestinians, so to speak. The term is Edomites, what they really are. About their terrorism having to stop. They can't terrorize Israel any longer. And anyway, you can read through that on your own in pages 13 and 14. I find these passages extremely relevant. I just don't have time to go over it because it takes a long time. But if you want the full book on this, these are just the notes from the book, is get uh, Bill Salas's book, Psalm 83, The Invasion of Psalm 83. Get his book, and it's more in-depth, obviously, and you can sit there you know, and, and read that thing and get it under your belt. It's a lot of prophecies, but I tried to give it the synopsis version. Any questions so far? Clear as mud, right? Thanks for joining us for another episode of The Anchor Discipleship. We hope that this message is a blessing to you and helps you grow towards a more mature understanding of God's Word. Rock Harbor Church has two other podcasts. The first is called The Anchor Sunday Sermons and is filled with pastors' Sunday messages. And the second is The Anchor Bible Study. It's filled with past and continuing Bible studies preached during our Wednesday evening services. If you enjoyed this message and would like to hear them, please check the description of this episode or search your favorite podcast streaming services. Rock Harbor Church also has a print-to-order merchandise store. You can shop for Rock Harbor merch at rockharborchurch.store. Support for all three of our podcasts comes from your generous gifts and donations. For more information about our ministry, we invite you to check out our website, rockharborchurch.net. Keep looking up for our Redemption Dolls mirror. God bless.